21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. Hi, Jeffrey. Thank you for coming to the 21st Century Entrepreneurship Podcast. Yeah, it's great to be here, Martin. Thanks for having me. What I've found to be the biggest benefit that I've experienced in my business has been to make the pivot or make the switch from working on a local level, uh, you know, working with uh, finding customers, uh, uh, wor working, you know, face to face uh, in my local community, so to speak, uh, and and the the limitations that that carries to switch that to moving into doing business uh, online, to uh, generating uh, clients, customers, prospects, and relationships with people around the world. Um, now, I've done this as an, in an education, uh, coaching, uh, uh, mentoring, and information businesses, which are very lucrative, and it's a, it's a phenomenal space for me to be as, a, mm -hmm. as an educator and as a coach. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, it can be done in almost any area uh, nowadays as well. So uh, I'll, I'll just tell you that when I made that shift and I did this, I literally remember the day that I decided I had to go online. I had to get serious about that. It was in 2008 when the, in our, or in our area, at least the uh, real estate was crashing and I was working face to face with people in the real estate industry. I was coaching them. Basically, I was running on-site trainings for realtors and, and uh, sales organizations, mortgage, places like that. And uh, three quarters of my business went away overnight when uh, the crash happened. And so- Three quarters. About three quarters of my business disappeared. That's a and, lot. And, and what, was what was great at the time, I was doing about 30,000 a month in business. And so, but my lifestyle was also spending uh, a lot of that as well. I had a, a trip to Europe planned and, and all these things, all these expenses I had kind of built up right around that time. And I'm still spending this money, but I'm not making any of it uh, anymore or anywhere near as much. So it was a really tough time, but I was also very lucky because at that time as well, I had met some of the, uh, some of the teams of some of the top internet marketers uh, at the time uh, uh, alive, uh, people like uh, Joe Stumpf and Evan Pagan and, uh, and a few others. And they're all connected together. They're kind of a community. And I was coaching some of their team. How did you meet them? It was some kind of synchronicity, definitely. Well, like I said, I mean, most of the years that I was in business before then, um, I was... I was just a, a, a very, uh, I was very old school networker. I would go to uh, seminars. I would go to masterminds. I would join networking groups, just like there are in almost every part of the world where different business people, local business people get together and give each other their business cards and talk to each other and try to help each other, try to figure out who needs a customer and things like that. Mm -hmm. I happened to meet the top uh, AV uh, uh the top AV team uh, a member, the guy that really ran Evan Pagan's audiovisual for all his seminars and the and the beautiful. Uh, the, the what was the feeling? So well, the thing is that I mean, when I met him, he was just a guy. I mean, was what was seminars. the feeling? What was the feeling to to meet all those people? Did you 
experience any transformation on some level in 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 the way of your thinking or feeling or uh, well that really that really came from later on because see they were actually these individuals they were hiring me as their coach at the time uh because they were looking to transform their lives and i was there helping them right yeah um and so what, what was interesting in my profession, in the coaching profession, where you're busy trying to help everybody else, you're busy trying to teach people things and, and help people make a change in their life in areas where they're challenged or whatever. Um, at some point, people are so appreciative of what they receive that they want to give back. And it just so happened that this individual, he had access to some things that I really needed. I needed to learn on the online coaching business. I needed to learn how to bring my business online. And I didn't know anything about it. I was just a good coach at the time. So at one point he said, hey, you should come to this seminar where we're teaching this stuff. And he, he brought me in and he would actually provide me with some of these extremely expensive, extremely exclusive trainings and masterminds. And I got to join and meet uh, uh, meet these individuals that were at a, a level way above me in business. And I'll tell you the feeling that I got from that was like, wow, this is a huge opportunity. And one of the things I, I, I would say, as I learned these elements that came up for me was a sense of a sense of confidence, mm -hmm. a sense of certainty and a sense of a sense of sureness that, my future is going to be better than my past. Because if, when you learn these things, you start to realize, oh my gosh, there's so, much, there's so much available for me in my business. I could expand so much more than I ever have before if I just use this tool that I just learned. Because you can see it at work. You can see how, it would, how, how the dots connect for, um, for these different aspects of, of business. And it just so happens that these individuals are teaching online uh, business and online information marketing and online entrepreneurship. And I learned everything I could from them. And again, I mean, I was very lucky because the people I was coaching brought me in, gave me the information because they just wanted to give back to me because I'd helped them so much. So anyway, the bottom line is at this point when I lost three quarters of my business, like I said, because the real estate bubble had popped and mm -hmm. every, all the real estate agents decided to, to get out of business and nobody was making money there anymore. I had already been educated in these areas. I just wasn't using the information. I wasn't applying it. And at this point, I was like, well, hey, I got nothing to lose. I got everything to gain. I might as well just go for it. I might as well just go try and see what I can do here. And I started putting content online. I started doing the kind of things that you and I do nowadays. Um, and at that time, it was very, you know, like nobody was doing this. This was 2008. Oh, yeah. Very few people were doing anything online. So oh, it was yeah. really cutting edge stuff at the time. And so as I started to do that, I started to get customers in other parts of the country. I started, I started uh, creating relationships with people that I, that I would never have met. And then over a period of about 12 months, I started getting paying customers, paying clients uh, that were purchasing my trainings, uh, my coaching all around the world. I mean, people from every continent other than Antarctica, Antarctica, Sorry, I can't pronounce Antarctica uh, in a fancy way. But anyway, every, yeah, almost sure. every continent in the world. Uh, I've, I've got customers now. And Beautiful. it didn't take that, that long. So I started actually teaching this, especially for coaches. And uh, so 
if, uh, if, if you will go to becomeamastercoach.com forward slash webinar in the next, uh, in, in the coming days, uh, I'll be uh, putting on a webinar where I actually cover how to start an online coaching business. This is anyone in the service industry and anyone in the information industry can benefit tremendously. That's very valuable. So it's a it's a free webinar. Yeah, it's just a free webinar, and um, oh, it's a lot of value. I cover I, in that webinar. I cover the three key tools that I learned early on that I still employ to this day. I mean, it's fancier now, and there's better tools to create it. But really, just the three basic things that you need to build an online an online business, any kind of service business, but especially coaching, obviously, because that's my area. And uh, very, very quickly, you can get started and start generating customers. If your content is good, if your coaching is great, if your service is valuable, you could end up working with people that you'd never meet simply by using three simple tools. Uh, and we cover what those are and how to employ them uh, in that webinar. Again, it's just becomeamastercoach.com forward slash webinar. And uh, we cover how to start an online coaching business. Great. That sounds really excellent so how to create content how to do coaching how to make a service be better but you have three specific tools that you will share with us via webinar yeah i mean the co the coaching process and what i do as a coach we actually demonstrated in the webinar live so i'll actually bring someone in, you know, somebody who's on the webinar. Oh, that's a good uh, idea. You'll actually, you could actually just raise your hand and I'll actually coach you. And, uh, and so people can actually see what's the coaching process look like. What, what is the conversation like? But we also cover those, those three things are really just key tools that I use that have nothing really don't have a lot to do with me as a coach and the skills of a coach and the process of a coach that anybody can employ to generate customers online. Through that process, if I understood you well, you reached a lot of great names. So, I mean, there's no doubt that uh, some, of, some of my best students, the names that many of us know, best-selling authors, top information marketers, who I've either learned from or they've actually gotten their start through my school, through Master Coach University, some of them, I'll meet them through friends. I mean, your network and the people that we know, the people that we we get to uh, uh, have as friends or business associates, they all know somebody that needs your service or that can help you in some way. And so there's no doubt that the value of my network is, has grown over the years. And like, for instance, I'll, I'll give an example. There's a gentleman um, who is a best-selling author, uh, international. His name is Hal Elrod. He wrote uh -huh. a book called The Miracle Morning. Um, and, uh, now it's, this is like the new chicken soup for the soul book series. He's got like 20 or 30 books published by different authors and, uh, he'll have the miracle morning for entrepreneurs and the miracle morning for moms and the miracle morning for writers. And he's got a million of them nowadays, uh, huge, huge, huge business and, uh, you know, a phenomenal coach and, and a great idea. Yeah. And a great idea too. He's got a great business model, but you know, I met him through a friend of mine that I, uh, that I 
was originally coaching at my time when I got started as a coach uh, working for Tony Robbins. And he had sent this guy to me. So he sent Hal to me because Hal wanted to get his coaching business started. And after Hal went through my school and he had a great experience and he got his business started, he started making six figures very, very quickly. He was very successful uh, business. Now he's way beyond that. You know, he probably sent me 20, 30, 40 students over a period of the, the, the coming years. So sometimes your network. Great feedback. Great feedback. Yeah, it's great feedback. Sure, and great I mean, feedback. so, you know, there's the, the, that kind of luck happens when you care, when you really deliver for people, and then you know the right people that need your help or that, that, uh, that you can exchange value with, with. But definitely a lot of those relationships since then, since 2008, I've generated them uh, online. Uh, I'll give you another example. Uh -huh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah sure. So Go on. there's a gentleman that uh, uh, went through my school a couple years ago. I would never have met him had I not had my online funnels and, and client generating machines set up. He signed up for uh, the university. He's gone through the university now. Um, his wife happened to work at the time for a, uh, one of the largest international schools uh, on earth. I won't get into to, to names, but uh, it, it basically it's it's a partnership of schools that uh, uh, help to help other organizations take their schools online. They have universities all over South America and North America, and uh, they needed an executive coach. And since she didn't want to have her husband doing it because of conflicts of interest, they came to me and said, "Hey, do you want to work with some of our executives here? This, this is like a billion dollar organization." So I got to work well. I got to be an executive coach for this giant organization, get paid very well for that. It's just because of the network. It's because of people that I met. So whether you meet them online or you meet them offline, like in your local area, it's, it's, it's priceless if you, if you give them the right gifts and you really make a difference for them, what can come back to you. It's really priceless. But not only that, how do you feel with that level of success? Well, I mean, look, my drive has, has I, I, I've always been very ambitious, but most of my ambition as a coach, my drive is that I love to, I love to help people. I love to make a difference for them. And I just wanted to make a difference for as many people and impact as, as many people in a really deep way as humanly possible. When I, when I started doing that 20 years ago, I mean, year 2000, I started working for the Anthony Robbins. Mm -hmm. I felt, I felt, the feeling that it gave me was a feeling of such gratefulness for being able to connect with somebody in a way that no one else will ever probably do, maybe somebody in their close family, uh, and really help them. But also the feeling of having the power to do that, right? Like, like we meet people every day that we know that they've got a challenge and, and we want to help them. And sometimes we just don't know what to say. We don't know what to do. And it's like, like we really care. We want their life to be better. We want their business to be better. We want their relationship to be better. But like, I don't know what to do. Like if I was in their situation, I would probably feel pretty bad and be pretty confused as well. Knowing that I can actually help somebody like that, uh, that most people can't, the, the feeling of knowing that I have the power to give that gift, it's, it's, it's really a wonderful feeling. So that combination of feeling grateful, connected, and powerful 
that, that started really in my first days of coaching 20 years ago, those are the same, the, the same feelings I get when I get to help somebody like Hal Elrod or when I get to expand online and I get to reach more people. Because for me, it's, it's just never really been about the money. The money for me has been a tool to make a bigger difference and grow my team. And I'm ambitious to, to make a difference for sure. And hey, look, I want to feed my family. I like nice stuff like, the, like, like anybody, but, um, but that's never been as much of a drive for me. So although I love it when that happens and I feel proud and I feel grateful and I feel ambitious and excited about it and kind of greedy sometimes, there's no doubt I could be human like that, like anybody can. Yeah, sure. My, my bigger drive is like, hey, we're going to touch more lives. It's so exciting to me to see when one of our coaches or one of our clients, you know, really makes a difference for somebody or their life changes. I just feel like it's the mo- one of the most rare and special things and it's a profound privilege to have been a part of that industry over the last 20 years. And how do you generate the energy needed for the whole journey? I mean, it sounds like a lot of activities. <laughs> yeah, it definitely <laughs> Do you is. meditate? Do you have uh, some special 24-hour rhythm? I think, there... there's three, I think there's three keys to energy. Mm-hmm. The first one, which is the simplest one, is, but it's the one that I, I see so many people confused about and I see so many of our clients that, that get lost in, which, which is, and, but it's, it, it, to me, it's very simple when you know what you're doing and you, and you have the, the right information, you act on it, which is just, you gotta, you gotta treat your, your body right. If, if your body doesn't have the energy, no, nothing else you do will work. I mean, you, what you put in your body, what you eat and drink, um, how you sleep, uh, the sun, you know, getting some sun, uh, exercising on a regular, I mean, this is sounds like, like any idiot would know this stuff. Right. But I'll but, tell you. Yeah. But re- rarely people do that. Yeah. I mean, the, I work with, I work with some of the top, uh, executives, entrepreneurs, achievers, at least in their area in the world. Most of them do not, they either don't know what to do in this area and they really need to get educated or they're, they know what they need to do, but they're simply not acting on, they're living in a way that does not support their body. And either they're just, you, they're living on borrowed time, like they, their energy is going to eventually reduce and they're going to really have challenges in that area as they age or uh, you know, they're, they're gonna, they're gonna die. They're gonna die before their time, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so that's the first thing though. I mean, you, you, you must make this a priority or you won't even care enough to learn or do something about it. And then once it's a priority, you've got to act on it. You've got to actually take action on taking care of yourself in these ways. And even if you don't know everything about it, you know, at least, at least do the stuff that you know, that, that would be definitely uh, number one. Mm-hmm. Number two though, and this is where things get a little little weird, a little esoteric. Uh, I, th- I really do think you need to, like whatever you do every day, whether it's your business or your job or, or your personal life, if, if you're like taking care of kids or whatever, whatever you're up to, I mean, you need to, it needs to be one of the most important things in your life to you. Like it can't just be like, that's important because it's an obligation because somebody told me to do it because I have to please my family. I have to please my parents. I have to, uh, I have to make uh, the, my next door neighbor think well of me. Uh, it has to be something that you deep down actually care about. 
And everybody's different when it comes to what they care about. Like I said, I like the money's not as big a drive for me. I like to just help people. That's just like, that's just a internal thing that I enjoy, but whatever it is that you think is most important in your life personally, not what other people think, but what you think that needs to be where you're spending a lot of your time. You need to feel like you're at least heading in the direction of doing more of that. Because if you're not, you're eventually going to burn out. You're eventually going to quit because you're like, our brain has to be happy or else it'll eventually just say, I'm not doing it anymore. We have to please ourselves. Um, at some point, maybe not first, but at least at some point, we got to think that, that, that we're going to feel good about what we're up to personally. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And everybody can figure out what that is for them, what their passion is, what their values are, what their priorities really need to be, as long as they listen to themselves and they don't just try to please everybody else. So that, that's the second thing. I mean, I wouldn't have the energy to talk to you today if I didn't know that it's going to lead to making a difference for other people. Mm -hmm. and I know it's going to somehow help somebody somewhere and eventually maybe we could do business and work together and that'll be even better. Like that's exciting to me. Other people wouldn't care. And so they need to find another reason to have this conversation, another reason to get, uh, to, to get up and, and, and go to work each day. So I think that's really critical. You've, you've got to know what your passion is or your, or your values uh, or your priorities. And uh, you've got to make sure that it's a big chunk of your life so that what you do each day, even the stuff that you're not that excited about, that it all comes together to, to, to make you feel like you've got some joy and, and, and you're fulfilled. I think that that is an absolutely critical piece. There is a book I would recommend if yep. this is something that, that like you haven't explored a lot or uh, if uh, for anybody that's like, I don't know, you know what my passion is and I certainly don't live a life where I feel like I get to do what I, I love to do. Like I feel like I, I wish I didn't have to go to work. I didn't have to get up in the morning. And it, so that you have a burnout or you don't have a lot of energy. There's a book I, I read this years ago. Uh, it's by uh, a man named Bo Peabody. And so first name is just Bo with a B-O. And, um, and he wrote a book called The Monk and the Riddle. The Monk and the Riddle. It was actually recommended to me by Tim Ferriss. Um, and uh, it actually discusses this. It, it, the entire book is about understanding that Whatever you're up to, whether you're, whether you're a startup company and you're raising venture capital or you're a coach like me or you're a mom, the, the thing that you need to decide to make your life's work about is something that you never want to stop, that, that you'll do till the day you die. And, uh, and, and that book really, and I think the most clear and understanding way delivers that message so you really get that that you want to get on that track. So I, I think that's the second really big piece of the puzzle in terms yeah, of uh, yeah. having energies. You, you, you got to be passionate about what you're up to. And we have a third one, yeah? You told there are three of them. Yeah, I think, I think the third one for, for energy is that, <laughs> this is, it's, it's a funny thing that like, some people are organized. We like some, funny things as well. <laughs> <laughs> some, some people are organized, some people aren't, right? I mean, like my, my business has areas where it's tremendously organized and other places are a mess. 
Uh, some people are more creative types like myself, and, and we tend not to make sure everything is perfectly organized. Um, and we just kind of come up with cool ideas and, and uh, you know, we do crazy stuff. And then other people are completely like everything is perfect the way it's set up. But no matter what type you are, if you're a creative type like me, or if you're an organizer like my assistant, Kim, and she runs our operations here at MasterCoach University, she's great. She's amazing when it comes to that stuff. Mm-hmm. You got to have, you got to make sure that you're organized inside. Everybody knows how to, or, I mean, like there's a million books on how to organize your desk, how to organize your schedule, how to organize your strategic plan. Like, like you, most people don't need help with that. And if you do, you can read a couple books and learn it pretty quickly. But you also need to be organized inside your own head. And so where, where we all can find a passion and something we love to do or something that will get us to wake up in the morning, that doesn't necessarily guarantee that you know what you need to do and in what order you need to do those things in in order to, to deliver on that passion, in order to actually live the life that you want. There's got to be a strategy. There's got to be a, a set of things to do. And so, yes, you can make that list outside, but what I found is that some of the most organized people are totally disorganized inside their own mind. They're overwhelmed. They're, they're burnt out. They're, they're confused. They're, they're trying to figure out like, what to do next. They don't really know what's going to make a difference for them. And they're, they're working hard going nowhere. They're doing things they don't even know if it's going to be valuable for them. Mm-hmm. So... If, if you feel like that's you, even if you've got your to-do list and your strategic plan and your calendar all set up, if you're still overwhelmed or you're still confused or you're still scratching your head as to whether or not you're actually ever going to live your passion, you're ever going to get where you want to go, what you need to do is not organize just your desk, not just organize your to-do list, but you need to organize your psychology. You need to organize your mind, your emotions in such a way where you know it's going to pay off for you. So the big question is, okay, well, what does that mean? How does that work? Well, first of all, what I mean by that is that like when I wake up in the morning, the reason I, I tend to have enough energy other than the first two reasons I just mentioned is because I know exactly what my day looks like. I know why it's important and I know it's going to help. Like I, act, I don't feel like I'm wasting my time. I feel like I'm actually getting better, like I'm making progress, like I'm going to be richer tomorrow than I am today. I'm going to help more people tomorrow than I, than I do today because of what I'm doing today. And I know it's going to work. That is what I mean by organizing your own psychology, your own mind, is that your brain needs to know that you know how you're going to get from A to B and that it actually, like you need to be confident enough that you can get from A to B. And part of that's not just like, saying affirmations and like patting yourself on the back and trying to lie to yourself that you'll get there. You actually need to believe it. It it needs to be real for you. So, okay. So how do we do this? How how do we organize our own head? How do we get inside and organize the desk in our mind? I'll I'll give two approaches. Mm -hmm. The first one is we have 365 days in every year. Take one of those. That's that's, it's barely, it's not even 1% of your time. Take one day out of every year, leave your house, leave your office, check into a hotel or, or a bed and breakfast or go to a campground, you know, sleep in your car if you have to, but leave town, leave your normal environment and spend one entire day and a night 
thinking about the year coming up, writing down what needs to happen, like, you know, your goals, the plan that you're going to, you're going to follow through on to achieve those goals, just whatever your vision is for the year. And this does not have to be organized perfectly. You just need to spend a day on it. If anybody spent the time, they could figure out what they need to do, how they need to do it, uh, and what they think is really going to help them, like what they really believe is the path forward. And by the way, this doesn't mean go to a seminar and let some guru tell you what to do or go get your met, like hire a coach like me and have me dish out advice to you. Advice is to great. start from then. Yeah. You, like they can give you ideas, but this day is where you, you're alone on this day. Nobody's telling you what to do. Nobody's giving you the answer. You're giving yourself the answer because no matter what you learn from me or Martin or, 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 or Tony Robbins or any other guru that you might worship, any book that you write, might read, at some point, you've got to organize it. You've got to take ownership of it. And that day is your day by yourself to be your own guru, to be your own coach to buy into your own ideas and steal and take ownership from any ideas that you've learned over the past year where you're actually going to write down, Hey, I'm actually going to use that stuff that I've learned. I mean, how many of us learn and listen to podcasts or whatever that you give us all these great ideas and we never use them. That day is when you actually make the pivot. You, you make the transition, so to speak, the transformation from an idea to a plan. And that plan gets inside your emotions, inside your mind, not just written down. I mean, writing down is good. But when you spend that entire day doing it, you start to believe in yourself. You start to buy into your own ideas. You start to organize in your own mind what is most important. And you make a shift. Uh, then the second thing I would advise after you spend that day, that one kind of planning day, that strategic retreat, that vision retreat, if you will, then all you got to do is make sure that uh, each week, each month, that you remind yourself from the priorities that you wrote down that day, now what's most important to accomplish. Not just a to-do list, like an action that you might take, but a result that you're committed to produce, like actual measurable accomplishments. And it might take more than a day to do that. That's why like each week, like I'll give you a simple example. Each week, what I should do is I should go to my whiteboard. I'll you know, put a chalkboard or a whiteboard on my wall and then just write down, okay, this week, what is the one thing that I'm going to accomplish and, or make progress on that is so important that, that no matter everything else I'm doing, I've at least got to accomplish that. And I got to just write it down on that whiteboard. It'll take me five minutes to do that probably. And you're doing, doing it week by week? So... Week to so, week is usually like a, a great place to with start. With consistency. Yeah, with some consistency. Because here's what happens. You're going to have your whiteboard. Uh -huh. You've done your retreat. You, did, you spent your day. You know what your plan is. You're really excited about it. Uh, you, now you've got your whiteboard. You write down, okay, I am going to, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put up my website. That's going to be the big accomplishment that I need to do for the next week or two. I'm going to make progress on that. I'm going to go live with my website. Great, great. You've got your goal. You, you're clear on what the accomplishment is. So two weeks later, you accomplish your goal. You got your website up, but now you're like really busy. You're doing all this other stuff. You're working with your clients. You're, you're going to your job. You're dealing with your kids, whatever. And you don't write anything else on, down on your whiteboard. 
Now for the next three months, the only thing on your whiteboard is set up website. You know you already did it. So now you don't really know what to do and you're confused and overwhelmed and, 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 and now you're burnt out again. You don't have the energy anymore. You don't have the focused energy to get mm-hmm. the next thing done. Mm-hmm. So it does need to be like, I, like for some people it's every week. When I, when I ended up doing this a lot, it ended up being like every two or three weeks or so, almost like on a monthly basis. Uh, so for different people, I have a different frequency, a different rhythm for it, but it's got to be regular enough so that whatever it is that's on that whiteboard, it doesn't, uh, doesn't go rotten. It doesn't spoil. It gets done and then you move on to the next thing and you write the new thing down. Do you delete the old one or you, yeah. you, uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, so you don't, you don't need it anymore because you got it done. Yeah, okay. Like, I understand. Here's the thing. Whatever you write down on that whiteboard, it's like you are going to do it or you're it's going to do it. It's a whiteboard. I understand. So yeah. the, the, one of the reasons why it's a whiteboard is because you can delete it. And yeah, and you're, write, and, yeah. look, by the time, by the time it's time to write the next thing, the first thing or this, whatever you wrote down in the, originally in the whiteboard, it's probably gotten done. And even if mm-hmm. it hasn't gotten done, it's probably changed a little bit because it's been a week, it's been a month. So you might want to rewrite it in a little different way. Maybe there's a different step that you need to take. Do you keep some sort of happiness because you achieved that goal and go to the next one or you just forget about the old goal? It's done and now it's a new <laughs> week or it's a combination of those two approaches. Most people, most people have to celebrate these wins they have they do need to do exactly what you said they need to they need to do something to remind themselves that they should actually be happy that they made some progress why can you can you can you explain to our audience why i mean it's very important i understand you but okay so this is actually exactly i mean this is a part of organizing the inside of your your mind it's it's, this is a part of internal organization everybody's got goals when you do your year retreat you're going to think about, I want to make a million dollars this year. I want to get 20 clients this year. I want to start my business this year. I want my kids to go to a great college this year. Whatever, whatever it is. Whatever you first come up with, those goals, I like to call those selfish goals because those are the things that if you talk to anybody, you go to a bar, you have a beer, and you ask, hey, what do you want in your life? They're going to come up with that stuff too. That's not hard to come up with those goals. Those are the goals that we selfishly want that'll make us happy when we accomplish them. Here's the problem though. Those goals, the reason why they're goals and we haven't already gotten them is because they probably take time. They, they take months and months. They, they take resources, time, money, energy. They take multiple steps. They're complicated. We haven't gotten around to it yet. So when you have your weekly whiteboard and you write down something that has to do with that goal that'll help you get towards that goal just because you do that doesn't mean you're going to accomplish the goal it's going to take a year it's going to take time the goal is going to make you happy but you're like what do you do between now and the and and when you accomplish that goal you're not going to be very happy you might get burnt out the the things you're writing on that whiteboard they're not selfish goals usually they're usually what i call strategic goals Mm-hmm. They're things that you have to do to get what you really want. You don't mm-hmm. want to build your website. You didn't, maybe it's a pain in the butt to go out and network. Maybe it's, it's hard to work to, to make the million dollars. Like Those aren't necessarily all fun things, but they're things that if you don't do them, you won't get what you really want. Those things on the whiteboard, if you accomplish them, you will probably not be very happy. 
you'll actually be tired. You might be like, oh gosh, that was really hard. Um, you might not accomplish it when you want to. There's all sorts of disappointment and challenges that come with strategic goals that you don't have that problem with selfish goals. Selfish goals, it's just like having ice cream. It's like, it tastes good, feels good, I'm happy. That's easy. The strategic goals are hard. So for most people, most people, when they accomplish the thing they wrote on their whiteboard that they've organized in their own mind that they need to focus on, they will not feel any better than when they actually hadn't gotten that thing done, when it wasn't even a thought in their head. So what they have to do when they accomplish that, or even before, even better is before, is to remind themselves what the purpose of that is. It's not just about focusing on a goal. It's about reminding yourself and focusing on what is the reason why I have that goal. There is some selfish reason why I want to do that. I'm not just doing it for everyone else. I'm doing it because I'm going to get something that makes me happy at mm -hmm. the end of this journey. It might take two years, but I'm gonna, I'm eventually I'm going to get there. So what I recommend for anybody who has this challenge where they, they work and work and work and they're like, is this all there is? I mean, I'm burnt out. Why even bother? What you want to do with each of those goals that you write down on your whiteboard, maybe you've got two or three of those for a week or two. Underneath the goal, if you have room on your whiteboard especially, write down what is the purpose of accomplishing that goal. Why do you care? Why even bother? What are you going to get? How, why is that going to make you feel good? What are you going to get back? Is that going to make you money? Are you going to feel proud of, about your accomplishment? Uh, are you get to, like me, are you going to get to impact more people? I'd write that down. What, what matters to you about that? And then just write down everything you can come up with that, okay, if I do that, then I'll eventually make the million dollars or I'll eventually get married or eventually my kids will be happy. Just whatever you care about, write that down in concrete, tangible terms. And then after that, ask yourself, okay, how will that make me feel? How's that going to make me feel? And then write down all the feelings. I'm going to feel proud. I'm going to feel excited. I'm going to feel grateful. I'm going to feel uh, accomplished. I'm going to feel uh, confident, whatever the feelings are going to be. When you look at that whiteboard and you've organized the focus of the goal, you also will simultaneously remember all the reasons you want to accomplish that. And then when you actually accomplish the goal, you're not just going to be like, so what? I don't even know why I did that. What's next? You're, and then like not even be motivated. You're going to celebrate all the things that you put down as your purpose and remind yourself, I'm going to get those things. If I don't already have it, I'm moving in that direction. Then you get excited. Then you feel proud. Then you feel accomplished. So it's really critical to remind yourself of your purpose. That's part of organizing your own uh, kind of your own mindset, your own motivation. Then you also need to remind yourself after you fulfilled on that, that you actually won. You need to go celebrate. You need to go do something nice for yourself. At least look at your whiteboard and pat yourself on the back. I will literally do this when I make a big accomplishment. I will reach behind myself with my own hand, pat myself on the back because nobody's there to do it for me. And I'll say, attaboy, good job, good job. And it sounds, sounds kind of stupid, but literally you will be more motivated to do the next thing when you do something to reward yourself when you do something to remind yourself that you've done well and that you're actually getting closer to what you really want, the selfish goal. So that distinction between selfish goals and strategic goals, selfish goals are the thing that we all know we want. Strategic goals are the things that we don't really feel like doing. Like we, it's a lot of work, but we know we have to do in order to get what we want. 
And those are the things that we got to remind ourselves why we're doing it and then celebrate like crazy when we do. Uh, I'll give you one more example from this. Yeah, absolutely. When I, when I first started my coaching business, I, I left Tony Robbins. I went to work for Tony Robbins in year 2000. Uh, about a year and a half later, I was too entrepreneurial. I was, I was skipping my coaching session. I was being very, I was being very uh, uh, irresponsible. And so Tony fired me. And I went from having 80 clients to zero overnight. And, and so I was like, what do I do now? And so I started my own coaching business because this is what I was passionate about. And uh, what I had to do though, the, the, the doing coaching and, and running a business is two different things. So, so sorry, I, sorry. It yeah. uh, it it sounds like maybe he did not fire you, but he kicked kicked you in your ass. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Well, for a new really. new level of awakeness. Yeah, for sure. Because uh, I, I had to be responsible for my own business then. Yeah, for your own shit. Yeah. Because he wasn't just gonna give me the clients anymore, and I, I that was great. That was easy. Now I had to go get the clients myself. So what? Your level of emotional maturity, I can feel. Yeah. Yeah. I had a lot of growth in store for me as a result yeah. of that, uh, that little, that, that issue, I, I would have kept working for him, but he kicked me out of the nest. So, um, I was lucky enough though, when I worked for Tony, Tony, Tony got his start as a sales trainer. He would, he would go to businesses and teach them how to sell their services so they could generate revenue and generate customers. And so I had been through all those trainings having worked for him and I knew what I needed to do. I knew I needed to get on the phone three or four hours a week at least and call everyone I could and get customers. I had to, I had to cold call. I had to warm call. I had to get referrals I do all the things that a, 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 an entrepreneur should to just generate business. And, and look, I mean, no matter who you talk to as an entrepreneur, if I'm trying to raise $10 million in venture capital or angel capital, or I'm trying to get a customer who's going to buy a $50 widget from me, I can make a phone call and find that person. I can reach out a network and find that person and do outgoing sales in order to do it. And it's critical to be able to do that at some point in your business usually. So I knew I had to do it and I hated doing it because when I call people, it's like they don't want to talk to me. They reject me. They say, I'm not interested in you and your coaching. I don't care about that. I feel horrible. You know, I'd feel like, oh gosh, you know, like nobody loves me. And I mean, I so was sorry, not a Jeffrey. Great so now you are at zero customers, and, yeah. and you basically need to create your own leads. Yeah, if I, I needed to generate well. my own business, uh -huh. okay. and I did not want to do it. It was uh -huh. very emotionally; it was very stressful for me. So, but I did it every week. I got myself to do at least you know three or four hours of prospecting on the phone, talking to people that didn't want to talk to me, and I did that for years. Every, the, at the beginning of that. I was so scared. I was so, I had such little confidence. I had such little uh, sense of ability to do that, but I knew I needed to, that every time I made a call um, and somebody rejected me, which and felt it's bad, very, right? And it's very tough. I mean, you, tough. First, of, first of all, you, you, you get that, that negativity. Yeah. And second, second of all, uh, 
you've got fired so so your <laughs> self-esteem was pretty money, low I'm probably broke. i mean it's like you're it's broke, not a so good situation it's, it's very tough situation yeah definitely. yeah so so then when every time somebody said no i knew i was going to feel bad so what but i also understood that as i get more no's I'm progressing because I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And eventually I'm going to get a, a yes. It's just the law of averages. It's, I, eventually somebody's going to say yes. Uh, uh, anybody else, you know, one out of 10 people say yes to almost anything if you ask enough people. So, uh, so because I knew that, I said, I have to make no feel good. Mm-hmm. And so every time somebody rejected me, I literally, I remember on my wall, I had a piece of paper and I had the word no written like a hundred times. And every time somebody would say no, I would check off that I got a no. And I would literally, I was, in, I, was, yeah. I would jump up and down with a big smile on my face saying, yes, somebody said no. And <laughs> I just act like it was the best thing ever to happen to me. It didn't feel good at the time, mm-hmm. but I made it feel good by changing the way I treated it. And that's exactly what I'm talking about with these strategic goals. When you have something you know you don't want to do, but you know you need to to get what you really want, you have, to, you have to force your brain to understand that it's good for you, even though it doesn't think it is originally. Now, eventually, you'll know it's good. Now, like the stuff I used to do five years ago that was really hard for me, I'm excited to do now because I know it makes me money. Like I, now my brain is trained, but at the time, I had to remind myself of my purpose. I had to, every time I did it, that I felt kind of burnt out, like, oh, that was boring or that was stressful. I have to pat myself on the back. I have to jump up and down. I say, you did a great job, Jeff. That's what you're supposed to be doing. That is a huge win. And very few people, very few people that get burnt out do that. In fact, none, nobody that gets burnt out does that. That's why they got burnt out. My clients, I have to remind them, they're working, working, working. I have to remind them, look, you've got to remind yourself that you want to do this. You've got to remind yourself that this is important. You got to remind yourself what the purpose is because if you don't, eventually you're not going to do it anymore or your life is just going to be so unhappy that you'll have other problems. Yeah, and, uh, and, well. what, and what resonates uh, for me from, from what you are talking about, it's a, some kind of energy fight as well. I mean, that's exactly what we're talking about. We're talking yeah. about the energy. Yeah, that's what I wrote uh, listening to you. Ambition can go with health, and for health of your mind and body, you need energy. So that's yeah, what I resonates mean, for me. People, yeah, I, I know people that are they're really, really healthy. They're passionate about a goal in their life, but they're still burnt out. So I or anyone listening yeah. to us need structure, or, so organization, if I understood you well. Yeah, you got to organize mm, yourself like a third, inside yeah. mm-hmm, in, mm. in a way where you believe yeah. you're making progress and you feel, uh, you feel that what you're doing matters. Otherwise, you are busting energy all over the space without any yeah. strategy. Mm, I understand. Yeah, no doubt. In the process, at some point, you started getting some positive results from that approach, if you can continue with, uh, with sure, your journey. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, so... <laughs> um, when uh when i uh when i got fired from tony and um and i started my own coaching business i was at the lowest point in my life as far as the way the way other people would judge like uh financially uh in terms of quality of life living conditions um 
at the time I had, I had just gotten out of a fairly abusive relationship, a relationship where it just was not a good fit. And, um, and I had, I'd, I'd moved out and I had moved in cause I didn't have a ton of money. I had my basically five, six, $7,000 in savings and I didn't want to blow through it. I moved into a, a little, uh, we have these mobile homes in, uh, uh, in the United States, they're basically little houses that you can put like on the back of your car mm-hmm. or truck and mm-hmm. you can drive them around. Basically they're, they're just like, they're homes that are cars basically. So I so, uh, there was uh, somebody who was renting one of these um, on their own property. Uh, it was only, you know, probably uh, 15 feet by 15 feet. It was one room basically. And it was like a little trailer and I moved into this trailer and I was making my calls. Like I said, I was building my coaching business from this trailer. And uh, it, was, it was a really, really tough situation, um, especially because I was supposed to be helping other people become more successful. And I didn't feel like I was very successful uh, at the time. But um, anyway, I got myself to take action, like I, like I explained just a second ago. And because I kept going, um, eventually I got my first client and then my second and then my third and, uh, about six months, uh, into that process, partly because of luck, partly because of hard work, partly because of my network. Cause I had, I knew certain people from my time at Tony and my family and my friends that I had tapped into those networks and found enough customers so I could move out of that trailer. And I moved to a, uh, nicer place with some roommates in San Diego and then about a year later, I moved to downtown San Diego in a, like a luxury high-rise apartment. I was moving up in the world. And, but the first client I got, I felt, I felt like, hey, this could actually work. And I got more motivated. The, by the time I was able to move to a nicer place, um, and I was making good money, I was making multiple thousands of dollars a month, I started feeling like confident and excited that, I knew I could do this and I was hungry for more. And that, that momentum, it, it, it's more than just this energy. Like, like anybody can generate energy, even if things are lousy in their life right now. All they need are those three things that I just mentioned. And they can get energy today, no ma- like in the worst circumstances. That's what I use to generate that energy to get up in the morning and do what I needed to do. But once you start getting external results, like I said, like you start accomplishing some of those selfish goals, I like to call that momentum. That's when things just start happening on their own, where you don't, like you could actually not do things perfectly and yet things still get better uh, because you have momentum. It's like uh, a snowball rolling down a hill. It just gets, it gets bigger and bigger and faster and faster and it takes everything with it. Uh, So yeah, eventually things started working better and better and, uh, if I had to go back to where I started, I wonder if I could do it again. Like, I, I guess I could. I mean, like, I just got to do what I just told everybody else to do and, um, and, and make sure that I generate that with a level of strength. It was really hard. My business is so much easier now. That's not because I'm better. That's be, in fact, I'd probably say I'm a, probably a little lazier now than I was 20 years ago. Uh, and, and probably don't have quite as much physical energy. I'm 20 years older, but I have momentum now. I've got, I've got hundreds of customers. I've got a team that I need to support. I've got, uh, I've got passive income coming in. I get to talk to you today. Like 
I don't got can it. You, I don't have to make can myself you, and can you imagine, about that. And Jeffrey, can you imagine how good coach you became because of sure. all those obstacles? Yeah, I mean, that's... It's I mean, a learning process. To... It's a tough learning process, but it's a hell of a learning process. Yeah, that experience is very valuable to your clients. If you're a coach and if you're a leader, or if you're a teacher, there's no doubt. I mean, you don't have to start there and nobody does. And some people... I mean, Maybe not started, for your I... liver or heart, but <laughs> definitely for your clients. Yeah, I mean, when I started coaching, I didn't know, I didn't know anything. I just had some coaching skills, but over time you build it up. But no, I mean, look, the bottom line is momentum is, that, is like an external motivation when you, when, when you get the ice cream, when you get the money, when people start applauding you and telling you you're great, like then it becomes so easy to do the next thing. Like you look at actors. I, I, I think actors are a great example. You see somebody yeah, that absolutely. acts in, a, in, a, in another movie every, every year. They, they're, they're working a lot. They're busy. And, and so sometimes people might say, well, that's a really hardworking person. I don't know. I don't know if they're hardworking No, they are, they, in, just, they are in the momentum, as you, as you said. They're in they momentum. are in their field. Like, yeah. like when I, hey, if I get to have thousands of people seeing me on the big screen and applauding me and giving me awards and everybody knows my name and everything, like, that sounds like fun, right? Like, I want to do the next movie if that's, uh, if that's me. So, so yeah, eventually you get momentum and then things start getting easy. But until you get that momentum, it's tough and you really got to focus every day because very few people make it through that original process of starting and then we call it persistence here. It's like persisting through the time where nobody gives you money, nobody likes what you're doing, people tell you no, and you're even yourself, you're like, I don't know if this is gonna work or not, and you're uncertain. A lot of people don't make it through that because they're just not committed and they don't have the energy like you and I just talked about. So Jeff, you've been a coach for almost 20 years. Uh, what kind of people can be in that business? The coaching business is a phenomenal business for people that are passionate about helping. Um, you know, I went, when I, one of the things that I'll do with a, with a client uh, is that we run what's called psychographic profiling tools where uh, they take a test, they take a little Uh, test online takes them about 10 minutes and then i get a printout a graph of their values of what they are passionate about just like we talked about before when we were talking about energy mm -hmm. um and you know some people are passionate about uh, uh getting as rich as humanly possible some people are passionate about like art they want to create a great painting or a great video or or a great song Other people are passionate about helping. They're the people that are always out there with poor, with the poor people handing out food and, and uh, counseling people and, and like psychotherapists a lot of times are in, this, uh, are, are in this profession as well. So if you, if, if that's what you love, if you just love knowing that, hey, I helped somebody, I made a difference for them, I contributed to them and their life is better, their relationship is better, their finances are better, like some part of them is better that they needed me for those are the best coaches in the world because uh -huh. it's the main thing that i mean when you coach people 
sometimes you make a lot of money, sometimes you don't. Um, sometimes uh, people like think you're amazing, sometimes they don't. Um, sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's really hard to help somebody. But here's what's guaranteed, is when you coach, you're gonna help, you're gonna make a difference for people, you're gonna change lives for the better. And if that's the thing that you care about in your life, like you're really passionate about that, coaching is like the best way, in my opinion, on a person-to-person -person basis to do that and to make money doing it as well. The other thing I found about coaching that really helps, and, and you know, again, I mean, for a lot of entrepreneurs, coaching may not be the best profession for them, but what I love about coaching is no matter what you're doing, if you add coaching to a business, uh, especially if it's like a training business or an education business or an information marketing business, uh, like an author or a speaker, especially if you add coaching to that business, it is what my uh, mentor of mine uh, before used to use this word. He used to say, this is a cash strategy, cash strategy, it's a cash strategy. So, you know, sometimes like authors, they'll write a book but they're broke. They're not making any money with their book. They're not selling enough of their book yet. Uh, uh, people that have, uh, that have all sorts of different businesses, sometimes they will have cash flow problems where they just don't make enough money today. What's great about coaching is that if, I'm, if I help the world in some way, and I know people need more of that help, and if I'm willing to give my time, if I'm willing to actually spend an hour or two, just you and I, where I'm just gonna give you answers like we talked about today, or I'm gonna find out how I can help you change yourself. And you really get a lot of value from that. That's worth a lot of money for you. Like, you're, like a lot of people are willing to spend thousands of dollars just for a little bit of my time if I really can help. And so in a lot of different businesses where there's problems with generating enough cash, if I offer coaching to my clients or I offer coaching to my customers, I can charge a lot of money for that upfront very quickly and I can fill my schedule with clients and where I was broke before or I couldn't pay my bills, now I've got thousands coming in. I've got a lot of cash coming in. Now, yes, I am trading my time for that. That's not necessarily always the way that a business owner wants to run things, but I can generate cash very quickly and I can generate it month after month after month because usually most coaching relationships don't go for only one month. They go for six months, 12 months, two years. I have clients that I've worked with for almost a decade now that still work with me and every month they pay me, right? That's a cash strategy. When, when my business is not going well, we have our ups and downs. I still know I can pay my team because the work that I do every week when I fill my calendar with coaching, I know, hey, I'm still generating income just from the coaching that I'm doing and I can make $100 in an hour, uh, $500 in an hour by doing that kind of work. So it's a cash strategy. Any business where they need a cash, uh, a cash flow coming in, they need more cash coming in, it might be worth considering adding coaching. Maybe it's not the whole thing that you do. Maybe you're not going to become a coach full time. I personally only coach two days a week, but I can pay all of my bills just off of those two days a week. That I, that I do because I make so much money during those two days. So it's a phenomenal cash strategy. Anybody that wants to generate cash in the short term should get, at least consider possibly uh, uh, making coaching a part of their business. So for anybody that really cares about what is, what is the, yeah, the yeah, that, that's, that's exactly. So I, I just wanted to ask you, what is the, the first step for, for all of them? 
Yeah. So let's say, you know, okay, I'd like to try coaching. The first thing that I would do before you do anything is find some people around you. Most of us have friends and family and business associates that we know complain, right? They, mm-hmm. they tell us about their problems. They tell, they, they are upset, frustrated, angry, sad about something in their life. There's all, there's no shortage of problems in the world, right? Find a couple of those people that are willing to set specific times with you where, where the whole point of that conversation is that you're going to help them and just say, look, I'm doing this coaching thing. I'm not really that good at it yet. I've just started, but I'd be willing, you know, I know you've got this problem. I know you've got this goal. I know you've got this thing that you want to work on. You've been telling me about it for two years now and you haven't done it yet or you haven't solved the problem. You haven't, you ha- you, you haven't accomplished what you want to accomplish. Um, I'm willing for a short time, just for free, just to set some times with you to work with you just on that. And I don't have all the answers, but I know if we work together on it, on just your stuff, I think it's going to make a difference. Would you be open to having that conversation or to setting up some coaching calls with me, some coaching sessions? That's the first thing I would do. I would just start talking to people and helping them and setting sessions. Don't even charge. You don't even have to. I mean, if you want to charge, you can. A lot of entrepreneurs are willing to charge right up front for it. But uh, just start coaching. But the second thing that you want to consider doing is get some training, get certified. Uh, then you really know that you can help people. Then you really know exactly what you need to do when you're running these sessions. Uh, and so getting certified, like my school, Master Coach University, we uh, provide accredited uh, certifications to coaches all around the world. And uh, there is a uh, there is a governing regulation body all around the world called uh, ICF International Coach Federation, and they have set the international standards uh, for coaching for the skills, uh, the abilities, the outcomes, the processes that coaches need to represent, and they need to be able to do. And so uh, there's lots of training organizations like mine. And we go to ICF to get their approval. Just like if, um, if I was a medical school, I would go to the American Medical Association or the, the International Board of Medicine to be accredited that my school is teaching the right stuff. Same thing in the coaching industry with International Coach Federation. So make sure that if you're going to get trained as a coach, find an accredited school like mine, like Master Coach University. You could go to mastercoachuniversity.com and and uh, check out our different trainings and some of our free trainings and resources. But whatever you do, ICF sets the standards for the basics of what any coach uh, uh, needs to uh, accomplish. In fact, um, I think that what you're going to share on this particular episode is I did an interview with the associate uh, or assistant executive director of the International Coach Federation, ICF. recently at one of the ICF conferences because every year ICF holds a conference where all the coaches of the world come together and we learn from each other and we improve our skills and we set standards for the, what we expect from coaches that are accredited, that are, that are certified by a, uh, the internationally approved uh, body that the government and all the other large NGOs uh, believe are uh, uh, the standards for coaching. And so I interviewed him and we talked about how does a coach get started? How does a coach best get certified? Uh, and I just, I was, what was great about the interview is that he explained exactly 
what the steps are that ICF thinks that any new coach should go through. And so we, we could play that interview and I think it'll really make a difference and you guys will learn a lot from it. Yeah, that sounds amazing. I just Googled they had, I mean, I'm, I'm the ICF uh, yep. member as well. So they had 20,867 coaches uh, in 2018 yep. in 117 countries. So it's, it's a large organization. They're all over the world. And especially for your, for your Europe listeners in Europe, like in the United States, coaching is unregulated. Anyone can coach for money and everybody does. Uh, a lot of people do. But in Europe, there is more laws. There's more regulations about whether you can do it or not. So especially for anybody like in, in the UK or anywhere around uh, Eastern and Western Europe, you definitely want to get a, an ICF credential so that whatever local regulations and laws about coaching that are happening in your country that you're abiding by those you're licensed to coach and uh, also it's just more it's more expected in europe especially that somebody has an icf credential in the united states people can get away without one but i still highly recommend getting your training from a good school like ours and uh, that you follow icf's basics because then you at least you know you're coaching and at least you know you're doing the basics of what any client should get from from working with you and it's a good clarification because you don't yeah. for people uh, that are not so familiar with the topics icf is a organization but it's also a certificate so i did my yeah. in aoec in uk so academy of executive coaching uh, right. your university is accredited one yes as yeah. well yes so You're accredited by icf that's it. So for all people that are listening to us, if you go to Master Coach University, to Jeffrey, Jeffrey's University, you will be ICF accredited. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we have standards that uh, our trainees need to meet okay. uh, when they go through our trainings. Uh, our trainings are, are, are tough and we want to make sure we're training the best coaches in the world, but they, they can join one of our uh, one of our approved trainings, one of the ICF approved trainings. And on that track, if they go through the training, they do what we ask them to do, uh, then they'll get a certificate from us that has the ICF seal on it. And sometimes for a lot of people, that's enough. But with that training and then going through ICF's accreditation process, you can also receive your associate certified coach, your, your uh, uh, professional certified coach, or your master certified coach, your ACC, PCC, or MCC from ICF. And then you've got really everything you need because ICF's credentials are recognized by every kind of customer that you would ever want to get uh, as a coach, for sure. Yeah, just, just as an example, Jeffrey, I went to Australia for three months and one of the reasons I've got uh, a visa is because of the ICF, actually. Oh, wow. That's fantastic. Yeah. They are because they are recognized in, in Australia as well, of course. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Australia. I mean, really all over the world. They all over the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll tell you my, like, I'll give you an ex example of the respect that ICF has. Um, the, uh, I have a staff member, a faculty member who teaches in master coach university for our credentialing program, the program that actually provides the ICF approved trainings. Um, he has all the credentials that, it, that, it, that we need in order for 
us to do what we need in Master Coach University for those purposes. Now, this gentleman, he also, um, he built the coach training that's currently used in the Department of Health and Human Services inside of the U.S. government. So if you, work, if you work in the U.S. government and, um, and you want to uh, be trained in coaching skills for your, the, the, the people that you manage inside the government, you will actually have to go through his training that he built. That training, they had to get that training approved and accredited by ICF. The government is actually accredited by ICF. The government uses, the U.S. government uses ICF's coach training and coaching standards for them. If the U.S. government uses those standards, I think that that's Definitely. enough credibility. Definitely. It's enough authority for anybody. Yeah, that's an any- amazing example. I was not aware of. of I mean, I, I know about EQF. We in Europe, we have European qualification framework, and I, as a senior methodology expert, uh, for we 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 had a pretty big project in Malta going on a few years ago, 5 million euros, um, EU-funded project for making a new syllabi for uh, Malta schools, level one to level three. And there is a specific uh, qualification framework that you need to, to, you know, to, to obey on a lot of levels. Right. I suppose, uh, if I understood you well, you are a little bit more deregulated. So it's, it's, uh, it's not so tough regulation as in EU. <laughs> no, uh, no, it's but, not. But uh, still, you are, but like still you are going in, in that direction, I think. I mean, event, uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But here's what I can tell you for sure. If you want to be a coach for the U.S. government, uh, and, and a lot of, uh, there are a lot of governmental contracts where they hire outside coaches to, to do consulting. And With do, background uh, check, of course. With a background check, et cetera. Um, if you want to uh, do any kind of large business corporate coaching, for instance, for Fortune 500 or S&P 500 companies, the big, you know, the Fortune 10, uh, you know, like, like organizations that my team has coached for, like Shell Oil or Dole Fresh, Fresh Vegetables, large, large, big, multi-billion dollar companies, they, if you're going to coach their executives, you have to be you have to be certified by ICF. You have to have an ICF credential for most of those because they use that as a way of proving because they don't know. They don't know if you're a good coach or not. They don't want to take the time to look at all your background and all that. They want to know that you have the credential and that's a shortcut for them to measure whether you're any good or not. So no, you don't have to have that in in the United States in order to coach somebody that is a friend of yours. But if you want to coach the big money clients, you really do need those uh, credentials eventually. Here you go. So what better introduction to have to our bonus? Jeffrey, thank you so much for sharing so much value. Yeah, absolutely, Martin. Thanks for having me. It was great, uh, a great conversation. I'm glad we got to explore a lot of different, uh, a lot of different angles on not just coaching, but you know, entrepreneurship and, and starting and running a business and motivation and energy. Uh, you know, these are really, really critical things that uh, you know, all of us have to deal with maybe not as coach, you know, not, maybe not being coaches, but, you know, in some way, shape or form, uh, I, you know, I think there's a tremendous need for support and, um, and, and momentum in our lives because uh, we all deal with challenges and we all have dreams and hopes uh, as well. So if you're, if you're a coach and you want to 
you want to help others with that, but you also want to achieve your own, or you're just somebody out there that, uh, you know, is hungry for more in your life, then I, I think a lot of the stuff that we talked about today is, is, is really important. You can't step over it. Absolutely. And networking. You, right, you, right. you mentioned networking and how important it was. And look at our case. It was based on the networking. So, yeah, so no it's doubt. very important. Thank you again, Jeffrey. Keep in touch. We will continue with our networking and hopefully there will be some value for, for uh, our audience to do something similar you did when, when you had your hard time and look at you now. Jeffrey, uh, Dean of Master Coach University, thank you again. Absolutely. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. Have you thought about getting your ICF certification in order to launch or accelerate your journey to a successful coaching practice? Do you want a coaching certification but don't really know where to start or even what training is legitimate? Hey, this is Jeffrey Suey, founder of Master Coach University and CoachesTrainingBlog.com. And today I'm interviewing George Rogers, the Assistant Executive Director of International Coach Federation that I met at a recent ICF conference. George is going to tell us the basics that you should know about ICF certification and coach credentialing. We'll discuss what is an ICF coach credential and the process that International Coach Federation provides for credentialing coaches. What are the three professional designations of a coach and the difference between them? Also, how your coaching advances from mechanical to magical as you achieve more advanced designations. George will also help us understand why is it important to a coach to get an ICF credential? And how does a new coach go about pursuing getting their ICF credential? What should a coach do to get coaching experience under their belt before they receive an ICF credential? What a new coach should do before they ever think about coaching anyone, including a paying client? And finally, what's the first step that a coach should take to start their credentialing journey. By the way, if you're on YouTube and you want to skip forward to any of these topics, all the time codes are in the description. By the way, before we start, ICF is the world-recognized standard bearer and governing body for the personal and professional coaching world. They provide internationally accepted standards for coach credential levels, as well as accreditation for coach training organizations, such as Master Coach University. We're approved to provide training that fulfills ICF's requirements for coach credentialing. ICF holds international conferences annually to bring the coaching world together to collaborate with and learn from each other. And this is where I had a chance to sit down to talk to George. So let's start right now. All right. Hey, this is Jeffrey Suey, Master Coach University, and uh, I have uh, Mr. George Rogers here, the Assistant Executive Director of ICF, International Coaching Federation, International Coach Federation. And we're on the official coaching couch for today. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to uh, uh, spend this time for a second to uh, share with uh, uh, coaches a little bit about credentialing. And uh, so why don't we start off with something really, really simple. What is coach credentialing? What, what is it? So the ICF um, has a credential or credentials for individuals. And a credential really is a way of having a, 
a designation by an external body that you have been reviewed, you've uh, had your education, your experience, your skill reviewed. So uh, it's something that is uh, part of professional development. It's something that is part of an assurance for your clients to let them know that you are indeed a trained coach. Uh, and it's something that more and more, uh, we know from our research, more and more uh, clients are asking for, individual clients as well as um, organizational clients are asking for their coach to hold a credential. Um, the ICF has actually three credentials, the associate level, the professional level, and the master level. Uh, and that's kind of a, a, a path that we see people get on uh, to continue to grow, to continue to, um, it's, it's going to be used to market themselves. Uh, but really it's, a, it's an outward sign that you have been vetted by a, an independent body, uh, that you have knowledge and, and skill and experience. Um, how would you describe the difference between the ACC, PCC, and MCC, the associate level, the professional level, and the master level? Um, what's your... What's your way of defining the distinctions between those? So at, at, the, at the base, uh, ACC or associate level uh, requires a certain level of training uh, and a certain level of experience. PCC requires more and MCC requires even more. Uh, so there is a progression of experience and, and training that you have to have. Uh, a lot of people enter the ACC, start with the ACC as kind of the entry level credential. They are beginning to develop their coaching skills. They have coaching, they have knowledge. Uh, they're beginning to develop their coaching process. Uh, so it's kind of at that, that application, knowledge and application level. Okay. Uh, as they move to the PCC, coaching starts to become more fluid. They start moving away from maybe a formula and they have a much more confident uh, coaching practice. And at the master level, there's a lot of uh, creativity, synthesis, a lot more depth uh, of uh, partnership, a lot more cumulative listening, a lot more um, uh, things that are happening where a coach doesn't really have to rely. They, it's, it's become almost automatic of, of the things that they are doing. They have, they're so experienced and well-trained. Wow. Yeah, um, one of the things I notice about the what seems like the ACC competencies seem like they're more obvious and direct and just like going on what's on the surface whereas when we get to the point where it's MCC it's it's almost it's not just more uh, not just deeper but it seems like it's where a lot of the the magic intuition of a co-created coaching conversation really comes out yeah, it's it's kind of like any other skill that you learn when you first learn you you rely on some some structures and some formulas maybe uh, and as you get better at it you're able to to branch away from those and do things that really uh, work for you and of course work for your clients nice so you're free from the formula but you still are creating deeper and better results beyond what that basic level would probably provide yeah that's the that's the that's the hope beautiful so let me ask you this why is credentialing important for, for a coach who is not even really considered getting an ICF credential yet, even if they've had other trainings or the background or their expertise and knowledge that where they can still, they can already add value to a client, let's say, or at least they believe they can, we hope. Um, what, uh, uh, what's important to a coach about getting that credential? Why, does it, why should it matter to them? Well, again, I think it's a, it's a great uh, test of yourself. Um, you know, part of the theme of this um, 
conference has been around uh, you don't know what you don't know. Uh, <laughs> right. So when you subject yourself or when you enter into a process where other people are going to uh, review your coaching, and that happens through your, through your training, it happens through mentor coaching that you may receive during your training, and it also happens through our assessment process of the, the testing that we do of credential applicants, you've subjected yourself or entered yourself into some external review. And we think that's really valuable for your personal growth, for your, for, your, um, for your development. So even if you never use your credential as a marketing tool or a, um, anything else, having put yourself through that process, that testing process, we think is a valuable thing. We really developed kind of a, a threefold purpose for the credentialing program. One was to, to have some kind of quality assurance. Um, so we want uh, people who experience coaching to have the very best. So we, so having a credential is some level of quality assurance. The other one, though, that really we think is important is it is an incentive to, to grow. It's an incentive to keep learning. So moving through that ACC, PCC, MCC process, and really beyond that, it's not doesn't end at MCC. We want people to continue learning after that. Um, th that's 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 the other purpose there. So you are in a way creating a reward for us coaches other than just the reward that is uh, uh, that's intrinsic to training and development and getting better to say hey now I've achieved something and I, I get a little bit of a carrot or a cookie after all my work right. yeah, I think I think for a lot of people that I've talked to that whether they ever even intend to practice as a, uh, very seriously as a coach, um, it's nice to have an accomplishment. It's nice to, you know, this is something else that I have done, uh, and they, they feel good about that. So there's a, there's a little bit of feel good. But most of the people I talk to, the reason they get involved in it is because they want to become better at what they do. Nice. And they see this as a structured way to do that. That, that makes sense. I know that before I uh, had certain levels of uh, uh, training and uh, and certification that I had questions about my abilities and I had barriers to my own confidence in what I wasn't really sure that I could do. So it seems that once uh, a coach has that uh, certain level of credential, they can you know, lean on that from the perspective of knowing that they have accomplished something and that they can promise that to someone with even more confidence and assuredness because of that peer review that we're talking about. Right. Nice. Uh, let me ask you this. If a, if a coach is saying, great, that sounds like what I need, that sounds like a big part of what I, I need to move forward with in developing that, uh, get on that credentialing track, how do they do it? Like how, and we know there's steps involved and they can research that and, and follow those, but for a new coach who has uh, decided that this is important, that they want to go ahead and pursue a credential, uh, what advice would you give them? How would you advise that they go ahead and, and move forward with that process, other than the obvious steps that you know, they can research? Well, I think the, the really important thing is that they invest in really good coach training. Uh, the ICF accredits and approves uh, training providers that are delivering training that is aligned with the ICF definition of coaching, core competencies, code of ethics, and having that training base is really what is necessary to to move forward in the credentialing process now along with that I think it's important for them to start developing their practice getting to getting to the patterns of 
of contracting with their clients, recording their uh, their experience, so that at the time when they submit or refer an application to ICF for credential, they have uh, a client log, they have uh, training. I would also say it's important for them to work with a qualified mentor coach, someone who can listen to them coach, give them feedback. All those are requirements of the ICF credentialing process and really critical elements to them becoming a coach. Nice. Okay, so uh, if, if I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, well, wait a second, in order, to, in order to practice that coaching and fill my log, shouldn't I have a credential already uh, to kind of have permission or the, uh, uh, the support to, to actually run all those sessions? Um, what, what, do you, what do you say to that and how do, you, uh, how do you support somebody who's thinking, well, this seems like a bit of a chicken and the egg kind of uh, issue with needing, I need to do this in order to get the credential, but I need the credential in order to do all that. So I think it is kind of a chicken egg thing, but what I would encourage people to do is, is get part of their training going and start thinking about who they can coach and, and how they can deliver good services and begin slow and start off by telling their clients that you're, they're beginning, they're learning, they're in training. Be very transparent up front about that. That's ah, a very ethical okay. approach to that. Right. But also, it is part of the learning process. I mean, you're, you're, you're going to need to get some experience before you're just fully qualified. Um, so uh, we think it's okay once you've started training, and that should really be a part of the kind of the homework that comes from a training program is that uh, we want you to go out and start doing some coaching, start getting used to, to interacting with your client, and uh, so that's that's the good start. Beautiful, makes sense. So in other words, you can start slow, and just being real upfront. And, and this is one of the things I I think I see with some new coaches is their their concern is that they have to put themselves out there like they already know it all, mm -hmm. like they already are the master coach for other people, and just in order to engage, versus just going ahead and saying, look, I'm not a master of this yet. I'm just learning, but. Let's go ahead and move forward. And, and, and that's okay from the ICF's perspective, from your perspective, to go ahead and even as a novice, non-credentialed coach, to go out there and, uh, and really attempt to add value and really make a difference for, for clients. That's, that's very true. And I think it's the way that people are going to, going to learn. Um, you know, again, I think, you know, get some of your training under your belt, get your uh, clear understanding, especially of the code of ethics. I think that's a really important part that you know about before you ever touch a client. Uh, but, but beyond that, you're going you're gonna to be, it's a little bit of learning by doing. Wow, really, really great. So learn by doing, and before they start that process, check out the code of ethics and make sure that they're at a minimum abiding by that. And that should be a part of the training program as well, that, that they are advising you on that and talking about uh, how you follow it and put, putting you into some situations where you would have to kind of understand where you may be crossing those some lines. Beautiful. Okay, so now that we have a little bit of the step-by-step -step on this, you know, and, and, a, and a coach has not taken any of those steps yet, what's the next piece? Should they check out uh, uh, ICF uh, on the internet? Should they uh, uh, talk to a training provider first? What would be the very first piece of thing that they can do like today if they're watching this? I think uh, look at the ICF coachfederation.org website. Okay. There is a wealth of information there about... And, and what's, the, what's the website again? Uh, it's coachfederation.org. Okay, great. And so you can go to that uh, website and there is a tab that is about individual credentialing. Uh, and that will go into a lot, there's a lot of information there about the credentialing process, 
There's also on the ICF website a training program search service which allows you to go in and search for training providers that have been approved or accredited by the ICF. Nice. And then another great resource is the staff that we have in, in the global headquarters. Uh, on the website there are little pop-outs on the side where you can ask a question. There's a chat box where you can ask a question oh, wow. and someone from the staff uh, can, can answer those, maybe not immediately, but they'll get an answer back to you to help you, uh, guide you through the credentialing process. Fantastic. So I go to coachfederation.org. I can check out the individual credentialing kind of guidance that's there on that tab. I can also reach out to somebody at ICF personally uh, through the contact of the, that's within the same site. That's great. Very nice. So, George, thank you so much for answering these questions. I know our uh, new coaches and our trainees are going to be, uh, I hope, motivated and uh, cl and clear now as to not just what the steps are, but what this is really about uh, for them and the clients that they're going to serve as well. So really fantastic. Anything else that you want to share that you just th think is important just, for them uh, to know? I appreciate the work that you're doing, and um, uh, if there's anything we can do to assist your students, so we're, we're really looking forward to doing that. Fantastic. Likewise. Thanks a lot. All right. Again, this is Jeffrey Sui with CoachesTrainingBlog.com and Master Coach University. I hope that you took some great value out of my interview with ICF, International Coach Federation. So what's your credentialing level right now? How important is a credential to you and how do you see it helping you in your coaching journey? What do you think about ICF's take on certification and credentialing? I'd love to hear your feedback, so make sure that you leave a comment with your thoughts or questions. Thanks for watching this video. Like it if you thought it was cool and subscribe for even more of these videos. Now, if you want to learn more about the International Coach Federation, I put a link to their website in the description. And by the way, if you want my help with your own credentialing coach certification, I'm holding a webinar in a few days called Credentialing and Coach Certification. Imagine that, that you can attend for free. Just go to the link I give you here and in the description for this webinar, I'm bringing in Master Coach University's own credentialing expert. He actually created the coach training standards for the U.S. government, and he'll help you learn the details about the only internationally recognized coach credentials, how they work, and the process to obtain your credential. You can get your questions answered about international coach credentialing and learn how to get the required training to get your coach credential in as little as three and a half months. When you sign up for the webinar, you'll also get instant access to my credentialing fact sheet so you can easily read through details to design your master plan for your certification journey. Just go to coachestrainingblog.com forward slash become a coach forward slash credentialing dash webinar. I know that's a mouthful, so I'll give that to you again. Coachestrainingblog.com forward slash become a coach, all one word, forward slash credentialing dash webinar. Just go there right now to sign up for the webinar, get your credentialing fact sheet, and access lots of other advanced coaching and practice building techniques and more. Just go to the link that I just mentioned. I'll also give it to you here and in the description, and you can get access to everything all for free. And I'll see you there.